Redemption of Dalith by Phil Kelly Narrated by a Border Prince Core Assembly House Galbrain, Delith, Tau, Septworld These are no mere statues, dear cadets, but rival lords of war. Magister Pourclair made the gesture of the unveiling hand. His slender fingers stretched towards the spherical force field that the Leafans called the Clash of Empires. Its dueling inhabitants, a fire-cast hero in a vintage XV-8 battlesuit and a monstrous Imperial Space Marine, with his crackling broadsword raised high, stood frozen in the act of killing one another. The dynamism of the Tau battlesuit's posture, twinned with the roaring, hideous visage of the human grotesque, spoke volumes. The two warriors stood upon a thin section of tunnel, its underpinning exposed by the faint, shimmering sphere delineating the tableau. These adversaries live on, held in stasis, immortal and unchanging. They have inspired generations of the firecast for over three hundred tokar, a living monument to our victory over the Imperium here upon Dalith. They show the hero's mantle in action and the bravery of those who wear it. Pokla's audience, a tight knot of firecast cadets, no more than twelve short tokri of age, stared up at the piece with rapt attention. It would be the high point of their day, a fitting reward for their excellent results in training and a thrill they would remember for the rest of their short lives. Their monument does not merely commemorate the sacrifice of Shakanthus, one of the Second Sphere's most lauded heroes. It contains him. It is him, in fact. This time there was a murmur of appreciation. Poor Clay's considered it sufficient enough to continue. His legs were already aching, and he had given the same speech hundreds of times to bright new cadet classes over the span of several Tukra. He would give the raconteur's craft his all, of course. He always did. But already the air shimmered with intense heat. A record year, if the earth cast were to be believed. He would be glad to move further into the mushroom-like domes of the muster complex and take his rest in the refreshment zone that overlapped its southern edge. His usual vice, an ice-cold Zintka, would be more than welcome. Is it true that Monad Shankanthus once served the traitor? asked Carlithra, making the cupped hands of the inquiring student. A fierce young cadet, since entering the muster complex, she had let her war face gradually be replaced by wide-eyed awe. He did indeed, said Pukla, his expression darkening. Shokantos was Farsight's first tutor, and during the Battle of Gelbrin City, it was the traitor that gave him his war name. Yet the rot spread not from his teachings. Before Dalith, Chuta Shakanthras went on record many times as to the rebel's true nature. His servitude was an artifact of its time. It does not diminish his sacrifice as a monarch assassin, nor his victory in stopping the so-called Scar Lords in their subterranean strike on Shasotol High Command. The Imperial War Leader uses blade and shield, said Cadet Tishveren, mystified by the anachronism. With such a primitive mindset, how can they hope to deny us? A good question, young Tishveren. The humans are great in number, and they have a callous disrespect for their own lives. 
That can sometimes make them dangerous. Can the warriors hear us? said Carlithra. Beauclair chuckled. No, cautious one, they cannot. They are caught in a single moment that they cannot escape. Oh, she said, biting her lip. Is it human war tech that holds them so still? As the glacier holds the ancient skeleton in its wintry grip, this Guayla force field holds both hero and villain in place, said Pourcla. The stasis field is a fluke of technology, a brute's little understood weapon triggered as a last resort. By seeking safe haven in timelessness, the imperial savage has unwittingly left us with a work of art. But how do we know they cannot hear us, honoured poor? asked Carlithra. The olfactory chasm running down the front of her face, puckering in consternation. The class before us said there was a flicker in... Pukla scowled, making the cutting hand. The Earthcast have assured us of the field's integrity ever since the day they scooped these warriors from their mutual tomb and elevated them to the glory you see before them. The Imperial Stasis Field has held unchanging for eight generations. Do you doubt the expertise of the Earthcast? Casting her gaze downwards, the cadets made the closing book gesture of the matter settled. No, Magister. Perhaps you question the vigilance of the watercast. I, I offer contrition, Magister. Excellent. Then let us make our way inside. Pukla ushered the cadets onwards. They went in good order, as ever. A few of them nodded their thanks to him, eyes still shining and eager. The Magister felt a subtle warmth within his chest. Maybe he could stand a few more taukra of instruction duty after all. Behind him, the force field atop the monument pillar flickered and spat. There was a blur of light. Tutor Shikanthus gave a wordless cry as he triggered a kill shot. His battlesuit's plasma rifle was inches from the Garon Shah's war leader's face. Nothing happened. The Imperial brute brought his sword down, cutting the rifle's cylindrical barrel in half. Shikanthus raised his fusion blaster, eye stabbing its crosshairs. It blipped in alarm. Readouts scrolled red text. Data discontinuation. Transmission update denied. Shikanthus felt a solid impact as the brute's shield slammed into him. There was a moment of weightlessness as his suit fell away from some manner of ledge. For a moment, he saw the violet and white sky of Dalith. Then the XV-8 righted itself, putting distance between him and his assailant. Where were the tunnels? Where was he suddenly outside? He opened a priority channel to the command cadre net. Commander Farsight, he said. Close strike abort. Primary target used teleport device. Still engaged, but weapons scrambled. There was no reply. The cadre net was dead. Shikanthus cast a glance at his battlefield disposition suite. His surroundings were some manner of urban inzone. Civilians scrambled away in all directions. His gaze darted back to the Space Marine King, who was gaining the edge of the high podium they had occupied moments before. He tried his rifle again, still unresponsive. The Imperial Brute landed with an audible crunch, the plaza cracking beneath the boots of its bulky powered armour. Raising his fist, the Garon Shah took a shot with the barrel-shaped weapon system on the back of his gauntlet. 
A pair of tiny self-detonating rockets hurtled out. Shikanthus turned his shoulder and a shell gouged a crater from the multi-layered alloy of his suit. The Garon Shah barked something unintelligible, then broke into a run. Shikanthus called up more crosshairs, this time settling on the beast's unhelmeted face. Why the Imperials were so ready to expose their most vulnerable locations, he would never know. To them, bravery and foolhardiness were one and the same. The monster had already been horrifically disfigured by some old wound, half of his chin missing to expose a row of yellow teeth jutting from a ropey bed of muscle and sinew. A flick of the eye, and the whole gnarled head would be no more than vapour. He took the shot. Nothing. Transmission update denied. System log untenable. Taufa's grace, cursed Shikanthus. This is unacceptable. Commander Farsight, please reply. Signal link defunct. The beast was nearly upon him. He leapt backward as its long blade came scything round. A killing diagonal swipe that would have opened his battlesuit a split second before. There was a clatter from behind as he collided with a cluster of hover platforms. Civilians screamed as they hurried to clear the immediate surroundings. He boosted upward out of reach, gaining a moment with which to catch his breath. A knot of fire-cast warriors, dipping into food cylinders a moment before, pulled their tables into a rough barricade. They hastily formed a two-tier gun line, pulling pulse pistols from side holsters. They levelled a fusillade at the rampaging human warrior. The monster raised his shield and charged towards them, plasma shots that would have seared through. An orc's torso splashed from the ornate shield in a cascade of clashing energies. The Gaurun Shah's stamping run gathered momentum to smash through the barricade, bowling over the warriors behind it. One, two, three swings of that oversized broadsword. The first of the fire warriors lost a hand at the wrist, then half of his cranium, an eye blink later. Grey matter oozed out from a skull seeping blood. The second had his throat cut so deep his head hinged away from his chest like an open casket. The third, shouldered so hard he was taken from his feet, was cut bodily in half, even as he flailed through the air. Blood arced, jetted, sprayed thick. Shikanthus was already boosting in. In the space of time it took him to close the distance, three more Tau lives met a brutal end. One Tau warrior fired point-blank at the invader, but it passed straight through his heavy cloak to glance from the bulky power unit behind. The fire warrior caught a heavy elbow to the throat in return. The follow-up blow from the pommel of the human sword caved in his skull. The blade swept round in a three-quarter spin. Two more Tau went to their deaths, their mangled corpses falling amongst the ruins of their team. His battlesuit's jets roaring, Shikanthus smashed bodily into their heavily armoured foe. The human did not sprawl, as he had hoped, but instead staggered to one knee. Shikanthus kicked out, but the Garon Shah deflected the blow with his shield, righting himself with a deep growl of anger. The last two fire warriors ran, disengaging as fast as possible. The human shot one of them in the back with his wrist-mounted gun. The shell pierced the fire warrior's lumbar armour and detonated a moment later to end the poor infantryman's life in an explosion of viscera, blood and fragments of spine. The beast grinned, its ruined lip gaping. Shikanthus lined up a shot once more, but the weapon system yielded nothing. Your guns! Spooled Shikanthus's auto-trans, 
as it made sense of the creature's guttural growls. They desert you. Allow me to divest you of them. The broadsword came round hard. Shikanthus parried it with what was left of his plasma rifle, and the barrel was sheared through to the point it was nothing more than a smoking stub. Die in flame, savage! Shikanthus jabbed forward with his fusion blaster, intending to physically smash the hulking thing's face into the back of its skull. The human beast was fast, despite its size. It turned, the blow glancing from the curvature of its massive shoulder pad. That lethal sword came around once more in a blur of ice blue, hacking a thick wedge from the midsection of the XV-8 and crazying the left-hand screens of his control suite. Pulse rifle fire shot in from above, slamming into the giant warrior as a group of student marksmen fired from a commanding position on the balcony. Their shots spun the brutish warrior away from Shikanthus to put a spear's length between them. He boosted backwards, hastening for the building's core structure where the comms antennae would be directly accessible. His suit was glitching badly, perhaps due to some scrambling element of the Imperial Warrior's teleport field. But he had to get word to his fellow commanders. If the Garon Shah war leader got loose amongst the civilians of the muster point, it would be a massacre. Shikanthus saw the Imperial Warrior turn his shield towards the marksman on the balcony covering his massive bulk with a canopy of inches-thick metal. Beyond the fire-cast students, a loose group of earth-cast civilians were hastening to get through the iris portal to the complex's interior. The brute raised his gun gauntlet over his shield and sent two shells winging towards them. One detonated amongst the fire warriors, as another burst an earth-cast civilian apart like a sack of wet offal. Two more, this time aimed at the balcony itself, They tore great chunks from the supporting structure, and with an ominous crack, the entire platform gave way, sending the marksmen toppling down to break amongst the cascade of rubble on the floor below. No! shouted Shikanthus, flick-sliding his autotrans to broadcast an imperial gothic. Your fighters with me! Or have you no honour? At this, the brute turned. There is no honour in crushing an insect. The monstrosity came on, despite his words, to finish the job. Shikanthus fell back down an arterial corridor, leading the giant after him towards the comms hub. If he could keep its attention, keep that perfect distance between predator and prey, he could protect those around him without firing a single shot. Just as well, given that his XV-8 was a suit of armour without a blade. The complex's core was close now. Shikanthus could see the tall pillar that manually interfaced with its antennae and satellite arrays visible at the heart of a raised torus. It glittered faintly with readout displays and hollow might images, waiting to be enlarged, understated in appearance, yet powerful enough to send a broadcast across the star system and beyond. Shikanthus burned the last of his thrust fuel to reach the communion console, then flicked his suit to direct interface and placed its antennae in broadcast uplink mode. The timing of his message would be critical if it were to reach the High Commander. As one of Chasseau rank, his ident should see the data conveyed far and wide. Commander Farsight, request reinforcement. Rogue Guron Shah war leader at Galbren Master Complex. Garrison assets insufficient. Hollow displays winked, his ident failing to process. 
He could still hear the thumping footsteps of the Imperial Giant in the middle distance, the sharp crack boom of its solid-shot weapons, and screams of garrison personnel hinted at a panorama of destruction. Primitive weapons, those Garun Shah guns. Yet they worked, and with horrible efficiency, each rocket-propelled shell making a hideous mess of those they hit. It was more than he could say for the systems of his hero's mantle, scrambled entirely by whatever strange tech the Imperial had used to translocate them. Here, the very complexity of the battlesuit systems was working against it, and he had no idea how to remedy the situation. Still, no reply from the cadre net. Tauvar, shine a light, swore Shikanthus. Please reinforce anybody. A monarch cannot fight without his gun. A solid shot hit him from behind, detonating on the thrust pack of his XV-8 to send him veering away from the console. He turned, my flicking a crosshair on reflex over the grimacing monstrosity advancing upon him. But his weapon readouts were still stubbornly red. Those of his jetpack flared crimson alongside them. Thrust vector sweet, critically damaged. Feeling desperation well up in his throat, Shikanthus forced his XV-8 into a loping run away from the advancing space marine. He moved around the balcony and fled into the atrium-like hub behind. If the complex was anything like its equivalent on Viola, it would have armed escort units at its heart, for those times the ethereal caste made their diplomatic forays. Another shell struck him, this time at the waist. One of the gimbals was fouled in his hip, he could see the tiny hollow of the XV-8 on his damage control suite, flaring red to show it was badly compromised. The crisis battlesuit, which had wrought such havoc in the battle under the city, limped out of the comms room as best as it could. If he was to stand any chance of victory, he would soon have to leave it behind altogether. Magistar Pukla could not help but dart a glance down the corridor they had fled down. Despite the fact he knew he risked catching a stray shot... There was the Imperial Monstrosity, in the comms hub, stamping its way towards the atrium in which they were taking shelter. Ahead of it came an XV-8 battlesuit, its weapon systems buckled and shorn away as it fled the battle. Sacred Tauvar, whispered Pukla. It's unstoppable. The statues live, said Kailathra, her teammates around her echoing her words as if they were a mantra. The statues live. But how is the intruder still active? said Tishverian. Should he not have been slain? Hush, replied Pukla. You should not be here, child. Move back to the exclusion zone. We are fire warrior cadets, said Kalethra, sticking her chin out. Her diminutive fellows nodded in support, desperate to be seen as a capable asset against the imperial revenant stalking towards them. We can make the difference. My doubter team of Subla will fare better than an XV-8. Do you have the access codes to the weapons display cache in the secondary master hall, honoured poor? said Tishverian. Of course not, he replied, taking the sign of the pinched-out flame. I do, grinned the boy, his eyes alight. More farsight than shadows on this one, muttered Pukla. In the corridor ahead, the XV-8 limped out into the atrium, lurching left as it entered the wide, flora-fringed entranceway. There was a harsh detonation upon its shoulder. The battlesuit staggered into a pillar, smashing down an array of light sculptures in a spray of glass and shrapnel. 
The XV-8 righted itself, and then, as another detonation tore its sensor head from its shoulders, sagged downwards as if suddenly exhausted. Its plexus hatch burst open, and a tall, wild-eyed battlesuit pilot burst out. Drones, coming in low from the upper dome of the atrium, swooped past him to open fire at the Imperial monster lumbering down the corridor. One was shot out of the air, the other bisected by a lunge of the invader's power sword. Move! shouted the battlesuit pilot, his face streaked with sweat and blood. Get away! Is that... is that Shacanthus? said Carlifra. It cannot be, said Pukla. No, it cannot be. But look, Magister, said Carlifra. It is. Shacanthus stumbled away from the battlesuit, gasping with a mixture of raw adrenaline and fear. The imperial beast was less than a hundred yards behind him, one clear shot and a solid shell would detonate between his shoulder blades, killing him in a spectacular eruption of gore. He could feel the very possibility burning into his psyche, hovering like a knot of hot potential in the middle of his spine. Yet he had to lead the warrior away from the civilian area. If he was to be little more than a declawed lynx to the invader's raging frenzied bear, he could not let fear overtake him despite it closing its cold claws around his windpipe and stopping him from swallowing down the rising tide of panic. A moment of such weakness, and his people would pay the cost in blood. In the plaza ahead, a tall, water-cast magister in strange, unfamiliar garb stood amongst a knot of fire-cast cadets. They were looking intently at him, as if he were a ghost. "'Move!' he shouted at them. "'Get away!' They did not move. In fact, one of the youngsters beckoned him in close. Chuta Shakantas, she shouted. You must come with us. There is a weapons display beyond us. He was about to refuse on principle, but then turned in his flight, making the gesture of swift fervence so the young cadets moved off. A shell blurred past him, perhaps a hand's breadth from his shoulder. Thank the Tauvar. It detonated not amongst the cadets, but on a tall, fluorescent tree at the centre of the atrium. Wood splinters pricked the side of his face as he hurdled the low beam of an abstract sculpture. A moment later, he heard a deafening boom from the other side of the atrium and a series of screams. He glanced over to see an illustration facade shot to pieces, exposing a knot of cowering air-cast students. They cried out in fear as the imperial brute growled in animalistic rage in their direction. Desperate to keep the beast pursuing him, Shikanthus snatched a winking notation disc from the water-cast magister as he caught up with the knot of cadets. He veered left away from them once more and hurled it hard at the brute's head. The disc flew most of the way there, then smoothly reversed its direction, swooping back to emit a bright, chiming tone. "'You appear to have hurled me, master user,' it said. "'May I return myself to your service?' Shikanthus blinked in disbelief casting about himself as something he could use as a weapon. His eyes alit on the stones of an elemental garden. Snatching up a jagged, roughly triangular rock, he threw it as hard as he could at the side of the brute's head. It struck home, hard on his temple, laying open a flap of flesh and causing blood to ooze down his cheek. The Imperial scooped up a slew of gravel from a fluorescent bed, and rubbed it into the open wound, grunting out something in his guttural tongue. He thanks you for the scar, said the water-cast magister, his tone querulous, and says his emperor will be pleased. These humans are animals, 
said Shikanthus. Now move! Pushing the magister before him, the battlesuit pilot hustled down the narrow corridor across the atrium, the fire-cast cadets arranging themselves as an escort detail around him. The sound of explosions in the atrium faded, replaced by the rhythmic stomping of the Imperial warrior at full advance. Get to the museum, said Shikanthus. Full spread, burning rain configuration. The cadets exchanged puzzled glances but did not react. Burning rain, I said. Forgive me, Chasseau, said the water-cast operative. Your military count is some three hundred Taukra old. Shikanthus had no idea what he was talking about. His mind was entirely occupied by acts of survival, firing corridors and ballistic angles. Should the brutes start firing down the corridor after them, the cadets would be gunned down in short order. They would give their lives quite happily in the name of the Tauvar, but their blood would be on his hands. Just get behind that vestibule wall, he shouted, pushing two of the cadets towards it. We cannot, shouted the fierce-looking girl amongst them. The exhibits are this way. There is an original XV-8 there. It is a relic, hissed her companion, Teshverian. Its hardware will be incompatible. And what do you think he is? She replied. Very well, said Shikanthus, changing direction after the girl. If there is an intact battlesuit in the complex, guide me to it. It could save many lives. As they ran onward, he caught snatches of their conversation. They have guns there, Kalifra, near the traitor's denouncement, said Tashverian. And my data stream maintains we are the only firecast on sight. None of us are above La rank, said the girl. We have the hero to draw his ire. Together we will prevail. Here he comes, shouted the firecast magister, his voice shrill with fear. Heads down! There was a loud purr of repulsor engines as a piranha arced down through the air above them. Small enough to pass through the arterial corridors, the T-shaped craft had scrambled through the complex and flown right over their heads. The craft's gunner opened fire with the drones on its wingtips. Shikanthus felt a measure of hope. The piranha's pulse carbines would struggle against Imperial power armor, but if they kept the monster pinned in place, the fusion blaster in the craft's tip could finish the job. The craft's wing drones detached as it came in close, flying wide to baffle the intruder's target priority. The space marine ignored them. He leapt up onto the lip of a communion table and sprung right for the craft, sword blurring. The tip of the blade took the nose of the craft clean off. Twisting mid-leap, the Garon Shah shot the piranha in the wing before landing in a skidding crouch. The craft veered, wobbled, and went out of control to smash headlong into the wall beyond, smoke gouting from its wreckage. Shikanthus ran onwards, privately glad of the distraction, even if it had cost two more Tau lives. Only a warrior clad in the hero's mantle could truly hope to match the invader. But the piranha had brought them time, though there would inevitably be some XV-8 reinforcements inbound by this point, the intruder would likely have slain another score of Tau by the time they arrived. Ahead, from a large hall, faceted like a gemstone, but with all the hard edges smoothed into perfect contours. In its heart was a wide variety of exhibits covering the glory of the firecast. Shikanthus passed a hollow schematic. The hall was one of four such places, each focused on one cast, and intended for the edification of the others. They all adjoined one another, around a central ethereal garden that lay just beyond the hall. A place for quiet contemplation, on the 
sovereignty of the celestial caste. This day, quiet contemplation was not a likely outcome. The Firecast's hall had been built around the evolution of Tau military achievement. Hollow struts of famous Tau battles ring the outside, intended to be seen in sequence and each supported by artefacts from that time. The pinnacle of the spiralling exhibit was occupied by the most advanced battlesuit Shikanthus had ever seen. It was taller and more anatomically advanced than the standard XV-8, one of which stood at its waist by way of contrast, and was labelled under the banner of the Third Sphere Expansion. But there had been no Third Sphere Expansion. Not yet. Shikanthus put it from his mind. Thank the greater good. Both battlesuits had their plexus hatches open, the better to show their inner workings to those Tau cadets who would seek a surface understanding of their glory. He ran up the spiralling ramp, past the time-sequential exhibits towards them. In doing so, he saw the truth. Two-thirds of the way along the ramp, he passed the display pertaining to the Damocles War and the Battle of Gelbren City. History had marched on without him. He had not been translocated by the Imperial's field, but stilled completely. Frozen in time, and only now released, 300 Tokra later, but that was not the worst of it. Beyond the display, he saw exhibits on the Far Sight expedition, each more damning and hurtful than the last. They were titled The Great Treason. His eyes widened, hard hammering in his chest. His thoughts of pursuit from the monster still screamed from his hindbrain. But for a moment, they had been put aside. Far Sight, the rebel. Far Sight, the traitor. It was all there, plain as day. Had he known it all along? Had his first instincts back in Montaya Battledome been correct? The one to whom he had offered his sword during the Dalif War, who had given him the honour and name Shakovash, fire's worthy cause, was himself unworthy. Had he been a false prophet of the Tauvar? Grimacing, his mind reeling at the barrage of truths, Shikanthus vaulted the rail and climbed up to the battlesuit exhibits. He made his way... Not to the huge, multi-veined masterpiece at the hall's centre, but the smaller, standard XV-8. The wise warrior fights with the blade with which he has trained. It was something Farsight himself had taught him when the student had become the master, so long ago. Be it from the lips of a traitor or no, the maxim held true. Chikanthos stretched, put her foot on the battle suit's knee and leapt smoothly into the control cocoon. Kicking away the elegant scaffold that projected informational hollows around the machine, he slid into the pilot's recess and closed the plexus hatch. Taking a deep breath, he used the command cadre's activation protocol. Thank the Tauvar, the machine leapt into life. The suit had been kept as a working example, a classic XV-8 like those he had trained with on Violar, to show how far weapons tech had come. To Shikanthus, it was like putting on an old glove. It would have enough power to make at least one killing shot. It was a testament to the singular communality of the Tau that such a powerful weapon of war could be left on standby without reservation. Only one with the right to wear the hero's mantle would dare step inside, and even then only in extremis. That was something the selfish barbarians of the Imperium would never understand. 
Shakovash. The voice came across the command and control link as he initiated the XV-8's war systems and tore the battlesuit free from its moorings in the exhibit. Its deep, authoritative tones echoed from across the span of history, piercing his mind. Honoured Shakovash, have we communion? It was the voice of the traitor, unmistakable despite the timbre of age. Whether it came from a recording, some remote link, or perhaps even from beyond the grave was not clear. Oh, Shava, he whispered back, you cannot be here. You were found to be a rebel and announced. You called for me on a wavelength I have not used since the Dalithin campaign. So do I respond. Listen well, for I am not as far away as you might think. Events on Prefectia come to a head. Thanks to Ovesa, I can reach you on a tight-beam relay via the muster complex itself. You and your commanders forsook the greater good, he said, a measure of his old bitterness spilling into his tone. I knew you would. I forsook the sept worlds, old friend. Not the Tauvar, and if there is blame to be had, it belongs at my door. The Dalifan campaign still burns. Then the earth cast found a way to free you. No, but I am free nonetheless, as is the target you sent me to kill. Dorian, the chapter master of the Scar Lords. He has escaped the prison of his making, and is raging as we speak. Then put him down. He is the last of his kind, a ghost. It is not so easy, replied Shikanthus, through gritted teeth. He punched in the ident codes for the command suite as its auto-set software scanned his eyes for retinal link. He is too resilient. All engagements have proven fatal. Have you at least identified a weakness? Is there a distraction you could use? These are things you taught me to look for long ago. There is another battlesuit here on display, he said. An XV-86, whatever that might be. It looks flight-capable, yet there are none here who could pilot it. There was a booming crash as the Garon Shah war-leader smashed his way through the inner cordon. With a double boom, his gauntlets spat out two shells. They ignited and shot out towards the two cadets hunkered down to his right as they tried to prise open a weapons display. A split deck, and they would all be dead. Shikanthus lunged. With a squeal of metal, the vintage battlesuit lurched from the displays and extended its arm to echo the movement. The twin shells detonated on the battlesuit's forearm, flinging it out wide. Other than bathing the youngsters in a backwash of heat, it did not harm them. Enough! shouted Shikanthus, his voice booming from the XV-8 speaker grills as he stamped down onto the spiral ramp. The Gaurun Shah war leader barked an unintelligible war cry, a fierce joy in his tone as he pounded his way up the slope towards him. Shikanthus drew a bead with the suit's plasma rifle, held his breath as the crosshair slid into place, and fired. The space marine raised his shield at the last moment. The energy bolt splashed over its rim to burn away a good inch of his skull. He came on, nonetheless. By time, said Farsight. Distract, and trust to your fellow Tau. The giant stormed forward once more, shield in front and massive blade raised. Shikanthus leapt forward to meet him, putting himself in between the cadets and the brutish invader. He saw one of them run past him and clamber into the XV-86, 
another persistent with the weapons cache. The Garon Shah war leader swept his sword down hard, cutting the knee from Shikanthus's battlesuit. He leapt forward, injured leg raised to slam the shield and send the brute skidding backwards. The impact jarred him, even in the control cocoon. It was like charging a rock creep bunker. Surrender or die, said Shikanthus, I swiping the translation suite, so it broadcast the message in Imperial Gothic. Put down your weapons. You are alone on an alien planet three hundred cycles past your time, and your warrior brotherhood is dead. Then I choose death, spooled the autotrans, as the Garun Shah recovered his footing. Your species professes to want peace, but you would slaughter us as beasts if you could. The brute lunged, covering the distance between them with shocking ease. He cut the XV-8's arm from its torso as if it were no more than rotten wood. Shikanthus made a clumsy punch with the XV-8's oversized arm, but the warrior ducked to the blow, laughing darkly, and slid past him. A cry came from behind. I can't get it to work, said Tashverian. Keep trying, came Carlethra's reply. Shokavash, came Farside's voice once more. It was old and heavy with the wisdom of years. Get your adversary to shield against your feint. Allow those who he sees as lesser threats to seize their moment. No, said Shikanthus, turning. Why should I disgrace myself by listening to you? I shall give my life to buy time. Juta, please, allow yourself to survive. Shikanthus saw the space marine raise his double-barreled gauntlet once more. He kicked out to spoil his aim but he was too late. The Gauron Shah blasted a shell straight into the cockpit of the XV-86. It detonated, the blood of its would-be pilot spilling from within to paint angular white limbs red. Tashvarian! shouted Carlithra. Distract the foe! Raise the shield! came Farside's voice. Shikanthus took the leap. He jumped high, the XV-8's powerful limbs propelling him upwards. Though its long dormant jets did not catch, the Garon Shah lifted his shield on instinct to ward away the blow from above. There was a blaze of light from near the weapons cache. The human war leader fell back, dropping his sword to clutch one-handed at the ruined wreckage of his neck. The female cadet, Kylithra, advanced with a pulse carbine blazing at his chest, sending the war leader stumbling backwards blindly. You cannot prevail, human! Her voice was taut, high, but utterly sure of its righteousness. My destiny is to inherit the stars! Shikanthus raised his arms high. His XV-8 mimicked him as he stepped forward. He brought its heavy metal fists down hard and smash the reeling space marine's head like an egg. The giant tumbled back, slid down the ramp, and was still. When he was sure his enemy was dead, Shikanthus slid the communion link with Farsight to full priority, intending to isolate his broadcast location. It was already cold. Two Kairota later. Shikanthus looked up at the vintage XV-8, inert once more and back in its informational scaffold, in the shadow of the XV-86. The cutting-edge Cold Star suit had been cleared of the unfortunate cadet's remains and reinstalled, along with a hollow of commemoration, 
detailing the entire post-stasis incident. Shikamphus had not reported Farsight's involvement in it, nor made further investigation as to the source of the broadcast, though he was still not quite sure as to why. The Watercast were calling the incident the Coda of Immutable Truths, a lyrical name for a messy business, thought Shikanthus. How very like the poor to mask such a dire mistake with poetry. Of late, he had heard it implied amongst certain members of the Firecast, albeit in terms that could be easily disavowed, that the culture of the Farsight Enclaves had no need for half-truths. One day, he would find out for himself. Still, in unity, in hegemony, there was strength. This had been proven on Dali 300 Tokrar ago, and just recently it had been proven again. Chicanthus looked up at the new exhibit at the centre of the hall, the dismembered, half-dissected corpse of the Space Marine chapter master stared back. An exploded diagram of defunct power armour and plasticised, autopsied human flesh that had been annotated by extensive hollow informationals. A ghoulish spectacle, perhaps, but educational. In knowledge there was power. This, Shikanthus knew. Twinned with belief in the Tau Var, it was unstoppable. Righty, oh, hello everybody. I hope you enjoyed that uh, little, little, uh, excellent little story I read recently. I was really impressed by that. It had shades of Demolition Man. I don't know if you've seen that movie. If you never have, it's classic. You've got to watch it. You got to watch it. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend it. But it got, I got vibes of that massively from <laughs> from this story. And if you watch that show, uh, that movie, you'll understand why. Thank you to everybody supporting the channel. Uh, you can see your name scrolling by here if you would like to support the channel as well, which I'd really appreciate. You can use the links below, become a YouTube member, Patreon, so on and so on. There's links below. No obligation, though, but please do give the video a like. I'll also include some links to some of Phil Kelly's, uh, some of my favourite books from Phil Kelly, which concern the Tao, and they're all kind of interlinked. Phil Kelly's kind of Mr. Tao, essentially. Uh, he's done some of the, he's pretty much done most of the work, at least uh, in novel form for the Tao, add into the depths of their lore and so on, the little details that you don't always get from like, you know, the campaign books, the codexes and whatever. But he also works on them as well. He's one of the sort of big, well, I don't know. I don't know fully his, his job role, but I know he works on the Tao stuff. But uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely, he's made the Tao so interesting to me. I haven't read the Farsight novels yet. They're on my list, uh, but I rec everybody says they're great, uh, at least people I listen to. So I recommend them, but I, I definitely, I would definitely recommend the uh, Blades of Damocles, uh, the Damocles audiobook, which is fantastic as well, and uh, also uh, War of Secrets, which is the novel which shows us the Tao god of the greater good and everything that that implies and that causes and so on. So if you want to know where the Tao are now, that's a, that's a must-read book to understand where they are in the law and everything that's going on with them. And it is all, you know, it, like I said, Tao, uh, Phil Kelly's really involved with the development of the Tao and so on, so you can take it as read that this is all, you know, legit. So, yeah, thank you all again. I'll be back again soon with more. And, uh, yeah, like I said, do like, do subscribe, and... If you want to help me out, the links are, there's links. I don't know. I'm going to go. Ta-ra. Bye-bye.